All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corn Devotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be reacting to the latest from the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs, starting with basketball. Boston Celtics are off to the Eastern Conference Finals, knocking off the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games to set up an Eastern Conference Finals matchup with the Miami Heat who are fresh off a huge win over the Philadelphia 76ers. Rough game six for James Harden and company. We'll give our thoughts on both of those conference semifinal series. Also, talk about the West. Dallas Mavericks absolutely dismantle the Phoenix Suns in game seven. They're off to the Western Conference Finals to take on the Golden State Warriors. So, lots to talk about in the NBA, as well as in the NHL. Stanley Cup playoffs. Not as fun of a weekend for our teams, the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Both lost tough, heartbreaking game sevens. And they now enter long off seasons with a lot of question marks. So we'll we'll touch on all of that as well as some of the other first round series that concluded. Look ahead a little to the second round. And finally, we'll wrap this one up by reacting to the 2022 NFL schedule released last week. We'll give our thoughts on the Patriots and Steelers, how things shape up for them, as well as some of the games that we're most looking forward to this year. So with that, let's get started. You see the uh, Pirates made history yesterday. No, what did they do? They got no hit by the Cincinnati Reds, but they won the game one to nothing. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> good for only, them. I've seen that before. Six, it's only the sixth time it's happened. I think. Okay, I think I think the Dodgers did it one time yeah, several years ago. In two thousand eight, they got no hit by the Angels, but they still won a game. Uh, which, like, I hadn't really remembered that, but someone brought it up. I was like, "Yeah, I feel like it was the Dodgers," and then uh, I did see that was happened. But do you remember yeah, when the, the Red uh, Sox got no hit through nine innings, but the score was still zero zero versus no, Tampa? No, when was when this was, was that? first Tampa about a month ago? It was. Nothing, nothing. Oh, you're right. Yes, I they do didn't have a hit, yep. and then the tenth inning they scored two runs and finally got a hit. Of course, yes, but, <laughs> but they, they end up, up still losing the game. Two. Yeah, yeah. That was when the Celtics played the Nets in a playoff game. So. I just laughed when it happened. Like I wasn't like mad. Yeah, or <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Um, After all that, they still lose. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so the Reds had like one of their best prospects, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, Hunter Green pitching. He throws hundred miles an hour consistently, just mowing down guys, but he walked five batters. And then in the eighth inning, he got an out to start the inning. Then he walked two guys was at 118 pitches. So they pulled him from the game, bring in reliever art Warren. He walks another guy. So it's bases loaded one out and key. Brian Hayes hits a ground ball to the shortstop, but it was kind of slow moving and he was able to beat out the double play. So the run scored to make it one, nothing. 
thing. And then the, the pirates went one, two, three in the top of the ninth to finish it off. So I don't know if it technically goes down as a no hitter. Cause the reds only threw eight innings. They didn't do a complete nine innings. I know that's a, uh, a big thing that was talked about last year when Madison Baumgartner had a seven inning no hitter on one of the uh, you know double header days, but still, it's like a kind of thing that you would only expect to happen of any teams this year: the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates. You're like, oh yeah, the Pirates will get no hit, the Reds will throw a no hitter, but they'll still find a way to lose the game because that's how their season's going. So, kind of a, a perfect game uh for those two teams so obviously happy with the win as a pirates fan but at the same time it's it's not necessarily the best history you know not win not getting any hits in the game um certainly got lucky good good pitching but i don't know pirates are weird they go three and four against the reds but they sandwich that uh they sandwich a two to two to one series victory over the los angeles dodgers they just they beat them up twice so I don't really know what to make of this team. 15 and 19. Still don't think that they're going to be shocking anybody, but it is nice to see them win some games. Uh, more than the Red Sox have done this year. I mean, everyone is beating the Red Sox <laughs> yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. Not a good start for Boston. Hopefully they can turn things around, but not looking like uh, this will be another year where they kind of surprise us and, and make the playoffs and go on a nice run. But, yeah, I, I already think it's over, <laughs> but I'm I'm always yeah. pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely have been in recent years. Um, one Boston team that is going on a run though is the Celtics, and they pull out a four to three seven game series victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Game seven blowout victory, and there were plenty of points in this series where I wasn't feeling good. I know you weren't either. After getting more or less killed in game one, ton of turnovers, horrible game by Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart's not playing game two. They find a way to win that one, then lose a devastating game three in Milwaukee, but they come back to win game four. And then game five, a, a horrible letdown. Marcus Smart chokes away a game. Now they're down 3-2 going to Milwaukee. And they pull out a blow winning game six and come back to Boston and blow them out again in game seven. So uh, not the easiest series by any means, but it is... It is awesome that the Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, going into the series, I thought they'd win in seven games. Not how I expected it to play out, but here's where they are. And now just four wins away from a trip to the NBA Finals. Yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster of a series. Like you said, in game one, it was kind of a wake-up call because after that first series versus Brooklyn, sweeping them, and then all of a sudden Milwaukee ends up winning game one at home in kind of a blowout fashion thinking to myself, like, was Brooklyn just that bad? Or is Milwaukee's size too much for the Celtics? And then in game two, yeah, like you said, Marcus Smart wasn't even dressed for that game uh, after a loss. And I'm thinking, wow, this is this could really take a turn for the worse. But luckily, they won that game. And then, Yeah, we look up at the, the score while we're recording, and it's like, whoa, the Celtics are up 20-6 to six right now? How's that <laughs> yeah, happening? They're up 25 that. at halftime? What in the world? Yeah, that so makes that no was, sense. Uh, but... Yeah, luckily they came out with a win there. And then game three had an unfortunate ending with, uh, you know, they were down most of that game and then they made a comeback in the fourth quarter and almost stole a victory, but they ended up pulling short in that game. And then there was that questionable shot, of course, at the end with, yeah, with was that a smart, three? Or was, should he have been fouled? or given, He was fouled. Should he have been given three free throws? He was only given two right. misses unintentionally. Can't get the score. So. I, wasn't, I wasn't that mad about it, but I, I kind of, I get it, uh, why people are upset about that. Then, yeah, game four, luckily they turned it around that game and 
and they were down in that game too after three quarters. And it's like, oh yeah. man, like this series looked like oh I know it looked like it was over for the Bucks, and it looked like uh-huh. it could be over. And then in game five, it was great, <laughs> but until the last you know minute and a half of the game, it was. You know, they, they jump out to the huge lead and then Milwaukee slowly starts to come back. And, uh, you know, of course, it was a brutal ending in that one. I, I was having PTSD from from past series with the Celtics. It's like, all right, here we go again. Like they, they're they supposed to win these games and all of a sudden they end up blowing it and they start yelling at each other. I don't know if you remember in the bubble when they're throwing chairs at each other. It's just like, oh, God, it's this it's this all over again. But in game six, that was what really impressed me about the Celtics is. In past years, they have not handled adversity as well as they should have. And in this game, in game six, backs are against the wall. It's do or die time. And Tatum goes off for 46 points. And Smart and Brown each have 20-plus points in that game. And, and yeah, it was a huge win. And, of course, in game seven, they end up – for it was a shaky start to the game, though. Uh, Milwaukee yeah, definitely they, had a better start to the game. Uh-huh. But luckily, they did fall behind, but – Luckily, you got Grant Williams help. had Grant his, Williams, exactly. his Kelly Olynyk game seven. Yeah, his Kelly Olynyk moment. You're right. Yeah, yeah seven <laughs> for eighteen from three. Uh, it was he. He hit the first one, put him up three nothing. Then he went cold, and it was like, all right, I don't think this Olynyk thing that some people are thinking is going to happen. And they just kept knocking him down. He he found his groove, and they were all really good shots. The Bucks just kept letting him shoot, and he was knocking him down. And so many other guys stepped up in this game. Like, game seven, it was just... It was a blowout because everyone was doing well. Everyone but Derek White. Derek White was oh, the Derek one White. guy oh. knocked out I, I like that but... trade when they made it, but, Jesus, he can't hit any shots <laughs> to save yeah, his life. It, I mean... He was good. This... He was pretty good in this series, like in other games, like game six and a couple other games earlier in the series. But, yeah, game seven, he couldn't hit anything. It was bad. No, the, the Celtics have been so much better... You know, since that trade deadline, a little before that, I don't know how much of it you can really contribute to Derek White or if it's no, more just not, a coincidence, you know, getting Dennis Schroeder out of there. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm kind of glad they made the trade. But I, it, when it when it comes down to it, I think Marcus Smart has stepped up and really asserted himself as this team's starting point guard. And he's had his horrible moments. You know, game five, people oh, making jokes yeah. that Drew Holiday stole defensive player of the year from him. Yeah, you don't need to tell but, me about Marcus Smart now. I, I've it, <laughs> it's been clear that I'm not the biggest Marcus Smart fan, but I thought he did deserve Defensive Player of the Year. But I, I, time, I don't. Yes, I don't disagree with him. But at it, the same but. time, in Game Five, when you see him choking it away in that game, it's like, oh, this is why I don't like Marcus Smart because of, of plays like that. But overall, he, he was he was he was good in the series outside of the fourth quarter in Game Five. Yeah, for sure. I, I've always been a big Marcus Smart fan. Uh, he's someone, I think in recent years, I've started to look where it's like, okay, is he really the number three guy for a championship team? Is is he someone that the Celtics can rely on? But for the most part, this season, he's really stepped up. He went from being, oh, this extension is going to make him a trade piece for Bradley Beal this summer to like a legitimate part of That's this what team I was moving thinking. forward. I know. It, it, it made sense at the time, but I think the way the Celtics are constructed right now, this is absolutely a championship team, and oh, definitely. It it's what's really encouraging is that they're not just getting uh, production out of Tame and, and Brown, of course, and Smart. But look at Al Horford in Game Four, <laughs> the game of his life in that game. Yeah, he, he's been of, awesome throughout the whole series. You know, game yeah. Seven, he was kind of quiet, but they didn't need him to. Yeah, he didn't he have to score up much. When he was needed. He didn't have to score much in other games, but him going off in Game Four like the way he did it 
gives you the idea that wow, they they have a lot of options to go to, and like not just Tatum and Brown in terms of scoring. They mm-hmm. Al Horford was is a scoring threat. Even if not every he's not gonna score like he did in game four in every single game, but it shows you that he is a threat. And then Grant Williams in game seven, he's not gonna do that every game. <laughs> there was a game, I think it was game six, where he had I think it was zero points. He didn't score at all. I think he it was, was game six. I think he was like two for fourteen before that going into it or something ridiculous his his numbers from three were terrible then all of a sudden he goes seven for 18 in game seven so. yeah two points in in game six. two points in game six yeah, yeah but then they, he they goes won off for game, 27 so. in game seven so he again he's not going to do what he did in game seven every game but that also shows you that he's a threat to score and so even though it's kind of they don't have like great depth at after the starting five it's still a lot of it's still a decent amount of good scoring options outside of Derek White, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. And then who, who knows about Robert Robert Williams? He didn't play games four through seven. Hopefully, he can come back at some point. It sounded like it was just a bone bruise, but at the same time, he was on a surgically repaired knee, and then kind of gives you the thought, like, all right, is he really not playing because of a bone bruise? Because if if he is, like, that's that's kind of a kind of soft i don't know well, but, but at the same time bruise, he got surgery uh-huh. and it's like maybe he came back too early maybe he re-aggravated i don't know just yeah it doesn't sound that bad but i'm pretty sure that's what shut john morant down for the playoffs you know had memphis advance he was supposed to not play again i, I think a bone bruise kept kendrick nunn out all season i know lakers fans aren't too happy with him with the, the way their season played out him not playing a game but yeah i mean it, it's certainly something to watch for because Grant Williams, Al Horford, Daniel Tice. I mean, they're they're okay as a, a trio of big men, but I mean, Horford is someone if, who I think for at them this to point, win it all, I think they need to get Robert Williams back, even if it's not as a starter or at a hundred percent, just someone to be part of the play, rotation. Yeah, part of the rotation, exactly. Yeah, because Horford, I think, is someone who you can rely on as a veteran. You can't rely on him to be the number three or four guy every game. Like, he'll have moments where he goes off and others where it's more of his defense. And that's something Robert Williams can certainly do. But I think Horford's rebounding is also the big, big draw to him. And that's something that some of those other big men, like even Williams, he only has like four or five rebounds per game this season. So, um, and that was something that killed the Celtics. It kind of blows my mind because I feel like he'd have four or five blocks per game. Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I was like really surprised when I looked at the stats. It might have just been the playoffs. His rebounding number is low, but uh, it was one of those things where it was like it felt like he should have, he would have been a huge addition to game five, you know, especially late in the game with some of those rebounds that Milwaukee was getting. But I don't know if he would have been a huge difference maker. Uh, It's hard to say that he wouldn't be an upgrade over Tyso and Grant Williams sometimes Williams is going to go off. He's going to hit some shots, but I think for the most part, Robert Williams, uh, you know, at least with his other areas of the game, you know, he's not going to be knocking down three pointers, but I think for the most part, he is an upgrade over Grant Williams, um, you know, on a normal night, obviously game seven, it was hard to find too many guys who would have been better than him. I mean, he's probably better than Ray Allen or some other legitimate three point shooters in that game. Seven three pointers most ever in a game seven. Which is pretty incredible. I imagine that's his career high playoff, regular season or playoffs. I, I mean, it was his um, career high in point total. So I'm sure that's his career high for threes as well. I, mean, I don't know how close he would have been to it. But. And Pritchard was a spark in the fourth quarter as well. Oh, for sure. I know he he stepped up big time. And they needed him to with, with Derek White struggling. So Pritchard being able to knock down threes as well was, was definitely big. So 
it's going to take a full full team effort in the next round because you know I I have definitely knocked the Miami Heat before. I've called them bubble frauds, but at the same time, I know that this is a team that their culture is strong and they can come back to bite me at any time because the wh- how whatever reason guys like Max Struess can score 20 points in a closeout game. He's basically the Duncan Robinson replacement. Yeah, Duncan Robinson. They signed him a $90 million extension just to have <laughs> him sit on the bench all playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Jimmy Butler is is phenomenal. Uh, you know, the Heat are a really good team. But before we look ahead to that Eastern Conference Finals matchup between the Heat and the Celtics, I want to take a moment to talk about how the Heat advanced there. And in particular... Who they beat, the gift that keeps on giving, the Philadelphia 76ers. And let, let's go back to last year. Ben Simmons, their second best player, he's an all-star, one of the best defensive players in the league, gets completely ostracized by the team. All summer, he's the biggest story, all because in Game 7 against the Atlanta Hawks in the second round, he was afraid to shoot in the fourth quarter. So what did they do? They trade him for James Harden. James Harden is supposed to come in and turn this 76ers team into the legitimate championship contender that they may or may not have been for the past few years, but they finally are now. And what does Harden do? Zero points in the second half of a closeout game. Just two shot attempts in the entire last 24 minutes of this one. And this happens on the anniversary of the Kawhi Leonard shot of all nights. When Kawhi hit this incredible buzzer beater in 2019 to knock off probably the best 76ers team of this trust the process era, a 76ers team that had who on them? Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Who now plays for the Miami Heat, a guy that supposedly would have been very happy to stay in Philadelphia. They let him walk in free agency and instead elect to sign Tobias Harris to a max contract. They signed Al Horford, who's no longer on the 76ers. He's now played for two teams after one disastrous year there. And now the 76ers are just left wondering, where do we go from here? Because it's now four seasons in the last five where they've lost in the second round. The one exception, they got swept out of the Celtics in the first round in the bubble. Yep. Typical 76ers. Uh, I certainly enjoyed that loss. And I know that Embiid missed the first couple of games, but I don't care. <laughs> that was that that was really fun to watch. It's a perfect marriage of with James Harden and the 76ers, two teams, well, team and a player that are just known for not performing well whatsoever in the postseason. And yeah, I certainly enjoyed that loss. Even, even though the Heat were favored, I don't care. I'm I'm glad the Sixers lost. Get them out of my face. Uh, I don't. I don't want to see them. Uh, even no, I would have loved to see them versus Celtics because the Celtics would smash the Sixers. But at the same time, it would have like, been fun to see the Celtics knock out the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. But it is still hilarious watching Philly lose to anybody. And I have grown to strongly dislike this team over the past few years, going back to 2018. Yeah, and you don't need to tell round. me about that. I, We're I'm not fans been... of the Sixers. No. <laughs> I, I don't even feel like I can say hate them because 
They haven't done anything to make me hate them. They beat the Celtics in the regular season a few times. There are times where I think, oh, they're finally better than them. But whenever they've played in the playoffs, the Celtics have blown them out, what, 8-1 and one in two series against them? Yeah, they and... didn't even have Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward in that series in 2018. And they still won. And not only won, but they won in five. They won five yeah, games. Yeah, they, they beat them easily. And then, I mean, the bubble, they didn't have Ben Simmons. So it was like, whatever. They swept a, a bad 76ers team at that point. But the two seasons since then, they're a one seed last year. And they lose to Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks in the second round. And as as uh, bad as it was that Ben Simmons just passed on that dunk attempt because he's afraid to go to the free throw line, he still had a really good game. He still had a ton of rebounds and assists. He still scored some points. James Harden, this is like his magnum opus, his his all-time closeout elimination game performance for all the wrong reasons. 11 points in the first half, but doesn't score anything in the second half. Just two three-point attempts. He didn't take a single shot inside the three-point arc after the nine-minute mark of the first quarter. The last 45 minutes of the game, he just hung out outside the three-point arc. He was like me playing in a game, except I'm not being paid $45 million when I'm playing uh, you know, City League basketball as a 14-year-old. This is It's incredible. That's another aspect. Is Now the Sixers have to either pay James Harden, sign him to a huge extension. It, I'm sure he's going to pick up that $47 million option, whether or not he wants to play in Philly moving forward, or they're going to have to find a way to move him and restart. I don't know. Do you totally redo the process? It seems crazy to think they have to completely blow things up, but where do they go from That'd here? That'd be the moment where I'd start not trusting the process, but <laughs> I guess you can. I guess we can say that we did not trust the po- process for a while, but... That's when Joel Embiid probably is thinking to himself, like, geez, do I <laughs> like what is this I, for me? What is this uh, yeah what I is mean, happening with me? Like or he was a runner up for MVP this year and two years in a row. Two years he, in a row. He was and, like and, very much in that conversation and you I think this year he made it had a legitimate chance to win it. He's someone who should still be part of the seventy six or scene moving forward. You know, they, it was what three months of playing with James Harden. Maybe an off season is the key to success here, but I remember when James Harden went off for a, the first couple of games with the, with, with Philly and, and one of them was against like the Timberwolves or whatever. And, and people are saying, Oh, this is the next Shaq and Kobe combo. It's just <laughs> like, I can't wait for them to lose in the first or second round. That's exactly what happened. Just... <laughs> I will say that I firmly believe that this trade was enough to make the put the Sixers over the top. Like when this happened, I I thought it was a win-win for both the Sixers and the Nets. Yeah, I thought I thought it was too. Probably. I don't and, know if you want to go as far as to say a lose-lose. Yeah, you I could, will you could say hold, lose-lose as well, where it's like you take uh, my baggage, uh we'll we'll, we'll take yours. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the end, what did it get them? It gets the Sixers losing in the second round, just like they have every year in the last five years. And the Nets didn't even win a playoff game, didn't get a single game of Ben Simmons. So, Is it a hot take uh, to say that I, I think Brooklyn won the trade, even though Ben Simmons chickened out and didn't play a single game? <laughs> I mean, I think it... No, I don't know. That's that's a tough one because I think <laughs> I Steph guess it's Curry, to be determined. But... I will say I feel like Steph Curry going from Philly to Brooklyn you mean was Seth a Curry. bigger loss. Huh? Seth Curry, not Steph Curry. Seth Curry, yeah. Seth Curry going from Philly to Brooklyn was a bigger loss for the Sixers than it was a win for the Nets in the end, just because the Nets didn't do anything in the playoffs. I think 
you could make a case that the Sixers are maybe the bigger losers in the moment. Um, we'll see because Ben I guess Simmons it's just not always really come who out really and once who lost because <laughs> neither. It's, I know. Really I mean, it's hard to it's hard to pick any of these teams as a a big winner, and it's like, oh, who's the biggest loser in this trade? They both suck. Like this is. It, it's a hilarious trade looking back on it now and just knowing at the time I was like, this is awesome for both these teams, terrible for the Celtics, and now here we are. I was the thinking the same the thing, Conference too. Finals, so I don't, they're both sitting at home. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing, too, so I don't blame you. But, but yeah, it's just funny to look, look back on it now, and especially since I don't like either of these teams. So oh, glad yeah, that I they're mean, both I'm out, especially Philly in this past <laughs> round. And yeah, then is no, Doc going to come back? <laughs> or is he how do you go feel about him? Yeah, how do you feel about him at this point? So, look, I was a fan of his when they won the championship, of course. I thought he was... When the Celtics won the championship I, Yeah, when the Celtics won it all in yeah. 08. He was great for that team because I think Doc is someone that can handle egos or someone that can... Yeah, I think that's the better part of his skill set as a coach than maybe X's and O's. Yeah, and I agree with that. We've seen a lot of teams try to bring together superstars. It's very rare for them to win in the first year, and that's something that really shouldn't be taken for granted when looking back on that Celtics team, is that they were actually able to win in year one. There's a little bit of a choking kind of thing with 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 Doc Rivers, where when I he think was there's with, a lot of bit of a choke. A lot, a lot of it. Yeah, with the Clippers, three times he's blown the, a three to one series lead. Yeah, they never made the conference. Or actually, no, I take it back. They made the conference finals last year versus Phoenix, right? But but was wait was he even there last year? No, he was in Philly. He, last right, year. he was in Philly last. He was okay. in Philly when they yeah, lost. Okay. He's the one who was like, yeah, Ben Simmons. I right, don't know his if he last can be a starting his point last game was in the team. bubble when they blew the three one lead. Yes, versus, when they blew a three to one lead Den- against Denver. the Nuggets. Right. Yep. Okay. Now I, my memory came back to me. There. Even yeah. with the Celtics, he blew a three two lead against Orlando in two thousand nine. He blew Miami. a three two lead against the Lakers in twenty ten, and a three two lead against Miami in twenty twelve. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I. I'm tired of. Is Doc it just Rivers. a coincidence, or is this like? No, really I don't like, think it's a coincidence. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think that there is something to it, and I, I'm tired of him and all the excuses, the lack of accountability. He goes on his press conference. I he's remember, like, nobody I, expected anything from us. Like, look where we are now versus when I got here. You're still losing in the second round. I mean, you can say, yeah, everyone thought you were kind of a joke as a team when you took over, but the expectations were relatively high for the Sixers. You know, only two teams can make the Eastern Conference Finals. Not everybody's going to pick you to get there. Not everyone's going to pick you to make the NBA Finals. But the expectations were certainly that you would come in and make this team more of a legitimate championship contender than they were before you got there but when now they it's got the swept exact by Boston same... in the first round. Now it's the exact same result, same environment where there are questions about the roster and and coaching as well. Now he's better than uh, Bruce Brown, is that his? <laughs> or Brett, Brett Brown? Brown? Yeah, Brett better Brown, than Brett yeah. Brown, but uh, yeah, that's not saying much. Exactly. <laughs> and is it? Can you say that he's definitely better than him because he hasn't made it any further than he Brown won the championship? He we won with the Celtics. I mean, well, I guess for Philly specifically, you're right. Yes, historically, Doc Rivers for has Philly, had a better I, career. For Philly, it's not that much better because it's the same result where they're losing the second round still. You know, I think that you've kind of brushed it off a little in the past, but I I still always go back to 2019. If that Kawhi Leonard shot doesn't fall into the hoop, that game goes to overtime, who knows what happens there. But if the Sixers win that game, they go on to play Milwaukee. Do they come back from down 4-2? 
Do they play a Golden State team with two of their three best players out for most of the series? Do they go on to win a championship like Toronto did instead? There's a lot of what ifs in there. I'm not going to say that anything would have definitively happened, but it is crazy just how much history could be different had that shot not fallen in. Jimmy Butler, maybe he's back in Philly at this point. Like, th- there's so much stuff that could have been different, and that was a franchise altering shot, and they have not gotten better since that moment. I'm happy. Yeah, that I, I fully like brush it off because it's just <laughs> uh, if they won no overtime. A, no, there is a lot it, to say. It but it's still, even had they just won that, maybe the Eastern Conference Finals, things could have been totally different. Uh, versus that's this another team reason that why I brush it off. Second round, because <laughs> who knows if they win in overtime, and then even if they do win in overtime, who knows if they even beat, beat Milwaukee? I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have picked them versus Milwaukee. I know Milwaukee's I mean, not I as good as Toronto good then Milwaukee. as they are now, but. I, I, can we stop talking about Philly? I'm, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about the Sixers anymore. I'm sorry. Just okay. like they're a joke. <laughs> no, they are a joke. Uh, definitely wanted to take some time to talk about that because okay. it like, is I'm, funny I, to talk about them. But you're right. Let's talk about the Heat now. Heat Celtics. I guess. What are your thoughts? Because the way I look at it, like kind of like I said, I'm a little nervous about this one. I think the Celtics are a better team, at least on paper, talent wise, roster wise, but. The Heat culture, the way they play, the way that they have continued to be a really good team outside of the bubble, being the one seed this year, it it makes me scared to think that the uh, the Celtics are gonna be able to pull this one out. I'm a, yeah, I'm a little concerned because of past history in the bubble where we both thought that they were gonna win that series. Just like oh, Miami doesn't have any or a lot of top end talent. Jimmy Butler's good and Bam Adebayo is good, but they're not elite players but I, yeah what I mean, they butler do have has proven is, himself otherwise what they do have is a a good culture uh, a team that competes extremely hard is well coached and yeah championship and enough, winning and enough coach. talent not as again not as much talent as the celtics but certainly enough talent because jimmy butler and bam about yeah they're not uh, elite elite players but they're both all-star caliber players and they have other good pieces on their roster decent amount of depth with Tyler Harrow being the sixth man of the year uh, award winner. And then they have Oladipo and Lowry's hurt right now, but if, if he can get healthy, that will be big for Miami. And just look at the series with Milwaukee. Okay. Giannis, he's a monster, but they didn't have Middleton. I love drew holiday and he was great in game five, but he also, but he wasn't as good in other games. And then after those two guys, it's kind of like who who does Milwaukee really have in terms of scoring threats or or like what like Connaughton like the next best guy? Like, <laughs> no, I Brook Lopez I maybe thought... in games, but yeah. so that's why I think I... Mil, um, Miami could be a bigger test because even though they don't have a Giannis on their team, I think they're uh, there's more depth on their team, more guys to yeah, worry about. I... I, I think it's a good point with Middleton being out because I thought that the Bucks had enough three-point shooting to be able to make up for it, and that ended up not being the case, especially in Game 7 when the Celtics hit way more threes than the Bucks did. That ended up being the difference maker. But you look at a, a Heat team where, okay, they don't have Kyle Lowry, but they're able to trot out a starting five that includes Game Vincent, Max Struess, and P.J. Tucker. Game 6 on the road in a closeout game, and those guys all step up, and they all played decently well i mean Struess was awesome with 20 points 11 rebounds 
And yeah, I mean, Victor Oladipo coming off the bench, Tyler Hero coming off the bench. They have a lot of options. They have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of guys who can step up in big moments. And they have, for the most part, that experience. A lot of these guys were on that team in 2020. If Kyle Lowry comes back, he obviously brings the actual championship experience having won in Toronto. So the Heat are a legitimate team. Uh, I definitely don't take them for granted. I think... Part of me wants to say, oh, the Celtics are going to win this series. But another part of me wants to look at it from the pessimistic side and say, no, Miami's going to win it. And if uh, Boston wins, then they will have exceeded my expectations. They'll have proved me wrong, and I'll feel great about this team heading into the NBA Finals. So even though we both take Miami seriously, especially looking at past series with uh, going against each other, and then even past games this regular season, I remember a game versus Miami – at the garden and Miami won. And it's like, wow, this team really knows how to play the Celtics, especially in crunch time. And so I would, I take them seriously, but at the same time, I think the Celtics are more equipped to handle Miami this time around than they were two years ago where Tatum and Brown, I agree with that. They're more experienced and they're more humbled and they're better players and, and then, and then smart as well. And now they have Horford back on their team and, Grant Williams is a shooter now instead of just a uh, just a rebounder or defender and not even he was he's much better now than he was two years two years ago. Yeah, I mean he had a huge improvement this year compared to the past few seasons. No, I agree. The Celtics are a much better team. They're they have shown that they can overcome adversity. I mean the fact that they beat Milwaukee the way they did with all of the things that went against them at various points in the series, I think that tells me enough that the Celtics are more than capable of winning this series. It's yeah, just we, that so, I know I, I know the Heat are also a legitimate team, and that's why I don't want to take them too much for granted and definitely want to give them their due, especially knowing that I've said a lot of horrible things about the Heat that have been proven immediately wrong, and I don't necessarily want that to happen again. So even though we both take Miami seriously, I personally think it would be a disappointment if they don't win the series. I'm not just going to say, oh, you know what, Miami, oh, they're the better team. No, I, I really truly believe the Celtics are the better team and should win this series. Even if it'll be a six or seven game series, I really think the way the Celtics are playing right now and the way they've handled adversity in the past series, it seems like they're a more humbled group and more equipped to win this time around. And I, I think I think they should win the series, and I do think it would be disappointing if they lost. I also think it would be disappointing entering the playoffs. Milwaukee was the one team that I would have been – I guess okay had the Celtics lost them in the Eastern Conference and um, it doesn't necessarily change I'll be very disappointed if they lose to Miami but I think my my expectations are a little little more realistic I guess is the way I'm looking at it and that I'm going to give the heat their due and say no they're not a terrible team or not as good as I think they are yeah Uh, like they're not to they're me, not the I Sixers, guess Sixers. They're not Brooklyn. No, they, they're they com- they're they above those extremely teams. hard, and they got uh, a lot of very very good players and a couple All Star caliber players. And Jimmy yeah. Butler's Celtics. a great Jimmy Butler's definitely a great leader. He's someone that I, I don't th- I can't think of anyone in the NBA where I've had a bigger one eighty on in terms of how I oh I know how I think about than Jimmy Butler, where I was not really a fan of his before he was on Miami, where it's like all right, well he was uh-huh. on Chicago, then Minnesota, and. And he just wore out his welcome and, everywhere. And all those teams, it seemed like he was the problem and not everyone else. But after 
getting on Miami and shows that he's a great leader and mm-hmm. he's just it needed it took the right team. Yeah, he was just in the wrong situation. I know, made fun of Miami, so they'd be a first round exit every year. Jimmy Butler's just gonna go party on South Beach, and obviously that hasn't been the case given their success the past few years. So, um, I I will officially pick the Celtics to win the series in six games. I will also say Celtics in six. All right, so hopefully we can look back on this and say, yep, we were right. Heat put up a good series, good threat, but the Celtics are now 3-0 and on their revenge tour. All right, so let's move on to the Western Conference now. And Golden State Warriors are there, just like you and I thought would happen coming into the playoffs. I think even coming into the regular season, we both had the Warriors at least in the Western Conference Finals, if not in the NBA Finals. Yeah, uh, I, I, I had them in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we both did, but... Uh, coming into the playoffs, we thought it would be Warriors Suns, and the Suns are not there. No. And uh, <laughs> I, I will, I will give you some credit. You were much higher in the Mavericks than I was, and I, I mean, you, you proved it last night when you, um, you know, actually put down a little wager on Dallas, yeah. which I was not expecting you to go that far in your your I, Mavericks. Yeah, I, I wanted to just show proof that, like, all right, I did like Dallas to an extent. Now. Before the series, no, I really thought it'd be the Suns. But I, I don't know. As the series went along, I I took Dallas more seriously. Now, I most of it is because of Doncic. I think he's just he's incredible. such a great player. You you need to have now. I know Phoenix. They had the best regular season record this year. They got a lot of pretty good players, but Doncic is the best player in that series. And the way he played, especially in that first half, oh man! Uh, <laughs> did you see the score? <laughs> Where it was Luka Doncic, so twenty-seven. But Phoenix, so was Doncic 27. was Doncic was tied with an entire team at twenty-seven uh, and a half. So he's no, incredible. He, he is an awesome player. Uh, I still can't believe in twenty twenty in our year in review, you gave Jamal Murray the breakout athlete of the year over Luka Doncic. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like I like the Nuggets. Uh, no, I mean they, they went further, so I think I know that's. Yes, but, but, but Luca yeah. has turned into uh, one of the I don't know top five top players five in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, I, coming into the season, I had no respect for the Dallas Mavericks. I didn't agree with them hiring Jason Kidd. I I thought like, oh, he sucked in Milwaukee. He's not going to turn no, this he's, team he's, around. He's and, a much better coach now than he was in M- Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I I thought he sucked <laughs> as a head coach. But it was I bad. Think, yeah, I think he's. I th- I think it's his coaching experience there has helped him become a better coach in Dallas because I think I think he's done a good job in Dallas. Uh, I mean, it's hard They're to in say the West that he has so. uh-huh. What I will say though is that I did not at the time at the deadline I did not like the Dinwiddie move. But what I will say is that I you know I love Porzingis, but he's just never healthy. And so you know I get it. You gotta get something for him. And, yeah, I I Dinwiddie I did not think would make sense, but and especially since I think Jalen Brunson has made a made a big impact on their team he's like been other, awesome for them the other yeah. guard i think he's been great but dinwiddie was great in game seven yesterday yesterday uh-huh. so i guess i would take back what i said about the trade <laughs> deadline but no you know i think that trading Porzingis was something that was talked about a lot there are questions about him as both a fit in dallas as well as him just staying healthy like you said and i think when that trade happened it was like oh lol Christoph's Porzingis traded by the mavericks and it turns out that ended up being a huge deal for Dallas, bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie, getting another guard. And yeah, he stepped up big time in game seven. Uh, 
I have a little bit of a gripe with the TNT broadcast. So they kept cutting to the Dallas Mavericks watch party. Oh at yeah, that American was Airlines kind of Center. I, I know. Well, no, I was watching some of that game, and yeah, they so always there cut was, to them. Yeah, there was one point though specifically where they in the corner there was like some woman that had a sign that said cancer won't stop me from watching my mavericks or something like that but you could barely see her you could barely read the sign and said the focus was on some dude in a chicken costume with a spencer dinwiddie jersey that i remember acting like a fool like making like crying noises and stuff just being a yeah. I didn't see the lady, but I did see the guy in the chicken costume. To me, that's the kind of person that you should be highlighting, not this uh, chicken Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie. How many how many Mavericks fans actually have Spencer Dinwiddie jerseys? Like, who would reasonably show up to a game <laughs> with a jersey of a guy who's been on the team for three months over a Luka Doncic or a Dirk Nowitzki jersey? Was so Dirk was at the game? Was he just chilling in like the normal crowd? He just bought like a ticket because so. it looked like every time they showed him, he was just in like section one hundred four with regular Suns fans. Like, I don't think yeah, he, he wasn't. Was like with Travis side. Kelsey front row where you could see No, him. he wasn't right on the court. It, it was really strange uh, seeing him like that. But, um, you know, good for him. He obviously caught a great game for his team. So I, I, I don't know. It's, I definitely did not respect the Mavericks going into the series, but I think a lot of that was I just believed that the Suns were a much better team. Even with their struggles against New Orleans, I still thought that Phoenix was – better than Dallas and that they would pull out the series in probably six games and that didn't happen they were they were like a completely different team at home versus on the road and I think that to me I was like going into game seven yeah, the Suns haven't lost at home in the playoffs you know they're one and five on the road that's helped New Orleans and Dallas uh, you know make these series exciting but at on their home court they had been a much better team. I mean, they would blow out Dallas at home and then get blown out on the road and then come back and blow them out again at home. So I was like, I think that's going to happen again in game seven. And obviously it didn't. It's crazy to think about because, I mean, the Suns team just went to the finals last year. It's not a lack of experience. This is the first time that Luka Doncic ever played in the second round, let alone going to the Western Conference Finals. So I don't know what happened, but the Suns, absolute choke job. And now they have their own question marks moving forward because this is a team that won 64 games, and now they're done in the second round. Their three best players, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, one for 15 from the floor combined in the first half. They were half. brutal yesterday. All, all of you, they were, they were There was awful. one point where Cameron, uh, is it Cameron Johnson? <laughs> he had, he had, Cam Johnson, yeah. yeah. Cam Johnson, he was the leading scorer at one point in the third quarter of seven points. It was That's so bad. So bad. I know. He finished with 12 <laughs> off the bench. But for for total, all of their starters, when you also throw in uh, Jay Crowder and oh, Mike Crowder Bridges. Jay Crowder sucked, too. He had, a, he had so many bad turnovers. As a team, they were f- they're starting five, 14 for 47, 29% from the floor, just 37 total points. 37 total points in a game seven at home. I, I just that's don't a, understand like how that could happen. <laughs> to have that many points. <laughs> it made zero sense to me. Uh, and I, I can't help but feel bad for Suns fans because this team, they're... 
year after year, and I know they had a stretch where they missed the playoffs, but if you go back historically, this is a team that is always in playoff contention. They're always making they, they noise. Had some studs you know, they had Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire era. They were they were Charles a Barkley team. before that, Paul Westfall back in the seventies. Like they've they've had teams that have made it to the NBA finals, made it to Western Conference finals, and yet they've never won a championship. And it felt like this year, sixty four wins, easily the best in the league. You look at the rest of the West. You have Memphis Grizzlies of the two seed. I don't know if anyone fully believed in them, no matter how big of a fan of John Moran. I never, I never you are. believed in Memphis. Golden State was Gold, just Gold they State, couldn't stay uh, healthy. They have the so they have arguably the best team, but they've had they had their struggles versus Memphis, and that they, was without John uh-huh. Morant. Oh, I know they so, they couldn't put it all together for the most part throughout the season. So like they and the Suns would have had home court against them. And you look at the East, like there wasn't like one truly dominant team. You could say, okay, Milwaukee, like they've they're the defending the champs. Boston has had Points the teams. best yeah, second Boston. half of the season. Uh-huh, but they, the first half, they were not even in the bubble, uh, not bubble, uh, playing tournament. Playing <laughs> tournament, yeah. And then you know Miami, Philly, like but like all of those teams, you like I don't know that any of them would be favored over the Suns in the finals. So this felt like a team that should have won it all and to go out the way they did, not just losing a game seven at home, but getting but, but to Dallas absolutely and not, embarrassed. And, yeah, and getting completely... 43-point loss. Like, <laughs> how was, I... Or and, I guess I think down it was by 33 30 at the, in the end. But they were, yeah, they were down by 40, at, I think 42 going into the fourth quarter. They cut it closer. They scored 40 points in the fourth quarter to get to 90 they had almost as many points in the fourth quarter as they did <laughs> in the, in the entire game three. wow That's yeah brutal. when dallas is just playing like you know g league guys yeah. so it was uh it was something and now it, phoenix is getting totally roasted you have chris paul oh, people legacy. Hate, i never realized how much people hated phoenix <laughs> i didn't either i mean i, I thought I, that phoenix I, was like a was, team uh, that people would root for obviously last yeah, year last was, year you were last year i was them. a big bandwagon guy uh, uh for the suns but yeah like this year it's kind of whatever now they're like one of the best teams in the league. But I never realized like, how much people hated them until game seven when they were getting their ass kicked after the half, not even at the, after the game, after the half, like, yeah. Oh, they're a fraud team. I, uh, it's like, wow. I, yeah, I don't know what it I don't is. Know I don't it, know if it's Chris, Chris Paul. Paul people... like, okay, I know he doesn't have any rings, but he's still a Hall of Fame point guard. He's still good. I know, but that is a big thing is the lack of playoff success. And like, I think he's gotten a reputation for choking in the playoffs. I don't know if that's totally fair, but he definitely choked in this game. Seven. Yeah, this like, game, no doubt. this game, no doubt about it, was a choke job. I Past years, one point in the first half. Past yeah. years, it's like okay, well, who else? Like is injuries he... have been an issue. Yeah, like injuries, his team just haven't been his as best great players. Either. Have been what? Uh, David Blake Griffin, West, James and Harden. Blake yeah, Griffin, David West. Yeah, and then James uh, Harden, who's obviously not a winner. So yeah, Danilo Gallinari with Oklahoma City. He's like, never played with like LeBron or no. I mean, he's never. Durant. Like, this was the first year he was on a team that was like the championship favorite, right? More or less. I mean, last year. You could maybe say they were the best team in the West heading into the playoffs, but this year, without a doubt, like they were the team undoubtedly to beat. the best team. Devin Booker. Season. Now, I mean, <laughs> he went from someone who was like viewed as like a superstar in the conversation or best shooting guard in the league, and he absolutely chokes in Game Seven as well. They're debating on first take whether or not DeAndre Ayton should come back in Phoenix or if they should let him walk in free agency. Like, it, it, and people keep talking about if the Suns should have taken Doncic instead of DeAndre Ayton with that first overall pick. Uh, and it's it's hard to say that they shouldn't have given you know how Luca has uh, 
had his career and then of course how things played out in this series right yeah definitely a lot of question marks for phoenix moving forward and now dallas in the western conference finals are you still high on them you switching i I think i think so i'm gonna pick golden state but i i I also think it'll be a seven game series like the last game so i picked suns in seven Uh for the series and then made a made a slight transition at the very end, but yeah. So uh, you waited till game seven. I waited till game that, seven right? to okay. change my mind, but uh, uh, but in this, so right now I'm gonna pick Warriors in seven, and if it gets to game seven, who knows what if I if I change my uh-huh. mind again? But I think yeah, I mean, be, if you... I think I think Dallas, I I know they don't have the best front court, but I think their backcourt is is terrific with of course Luca, but also what they've gotten out of Jalen Brunson for most of this postseason and then Dinwiddie yesterday. I think I, I think I think they can make it interesting for sure and make it a seven game series versus Golden State. But for right now I'm gonna take Golden State. If you told me two weeks ago that the Warriors would be playing the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals, I would have said Golden State in five. But given how both of those second round series played out, I also think that this is going to be a competitive series and I would pick the Warriors in seven. Um, I I do think the Warriors will win. I think it's more likely that Golden State wins in six and loses this series just because Steph, Clay, Draymond, those are three guys with championship pedigree. I trust them a little more. We should, just anybody should trust Golden State more with with their past history of how many yeah i mean it's hard and, hard not to yeah and but it's not even just those the obvious three guys at curry clay and draymond but they've gotten help at jordan pool is jordan one Poole, of the most improved yeah. players this year uh no doubt about he it could have easily won that award if it weren't for jaw yeah yeah no i mean the golden state is a they're very much a legitimate championship threat you know they have been all season long and you know as long as they can stay healthy put it all together even when they fall behind they still find ways to to pull it out for the most part so it was a little concerning uh, how that series went just because it, okay it took six games and they didn't have Ja morant for three of them and so the grizzlies are a really good team without John morant they yeah, went 20 and 2 <laughs> in the regular odd that season they it actually is played strange. better with John without yeah. John morant than with them uh-huh I know it is a weird thing to to think about, and obviously John Morant's their best player. They're gonna bring him back. Like it's, it's silly to think that their championship ceiling is higher without him. But yeah. I think it just goes to show that the Grizzlies are a legitimate team. Like they're a pesky team. That whole grit and grind. Uh, I think that's something that you I can still will, associate with them. I probably will take them more seriously in in upcoming years, just given how they played without John Morant versus mm-hmm. a team like Golden State. Well, they're still a very young team, so just guys getting older, maybe adding a few veteran pieces. I think they will be much more legitimate in the future. But yeah, because guys uh, like yeah, that, it's not even just job, but they also drafted Jaron Jackson for Jaron Jackson, yep, a few years mm-hmm. ago, and Desmond Bain was felt like a steal at I think it was thirtieth overall. He was, yeah, he was thirtieth overall. Celtics took him, and then they traded him. If, I don't know if you. Knew oh, that. really? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't he realize that. He was one of those that. guys where they. Uh, drafted and then immediately traded for I don't yeah, which happens tra- all the time in the NBA draft because you can't make trades official until like July sixth. Oh, so yeah, yeah Luca wasn't even taken by Dallas. <laughs> he was taken. No, he by was Atlanta. drafted by Atlanta. I know. <laughs> so, uh, all right, I think that's enough for the NBA, and uh, we've had a lot of fun talking about basketball. But I think it's time to shift the mood a little as we talk about oh, the yeah, NHL. Oh that, yeah, that's great. Let's let's shift our mood and be <laughs> sad. Yeah. I mean, what do you want to? Okay, let's let's be happy here. No, no. <laughs> Look at this. Tell me, tell me how great the Carolina Hurricanes are. Tell Boom. me how awesome after that seven game series. Yeah, because I'm about to be a Hurricanes fan, and 
I don't like it. I don't like it, but that is my mood right now. I am I am sad. I am devastated. As great it is is that the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, my Sunday night was not a happy one. No. It ended with me sitting on my couch just staring at my TV turned off. I I wasn't even watching anything. I was just just contemplating the future. Couldn't fall asleep last night because the Penguins had to play a seven o'clock game seven on a Sunday night that goes to overtime and they lose, blow a three to one lead. And the day before you dealt with a similar thing with the the Bruins falling short three to two to the Hurricanes and uh, both of their seasons are over earlier than we would have hoped. Yeah, I, I mean, your yours is more heartbreaking just because of the way they lost. So they both lost in Game yeah, Seven, but yeah. they lost. Penguins lost in overtime, and I also personally, I don't think the ceiling was very high on the Bruins. I thought their ceiling was get past this round and then lose to either Pittsburgh or New York. While Pittsburgh, the, even though their core is aging, I think they're a team that could still. Uh, it's their chances of winning the Cup weren't as high as other years, but. I think if they got past this round and won Game Seven and got the overtime goal, who knows what will happen? With there was, I mean, there was a legitimate chance for a run. I mean, yeah. I, coming into the series, I was not high on the Penguins. I was like, they're starting a backup goalie who turned into a third string goalie. The Rangers are going to win this in five or six games because they're young. They have the best goalie in the league in Igor Shosturkin, and uh, and that triple overtime uh, win for the Penguins was huge for them. It, because... it just totally changed the series. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they go to Pittsburgh. Igor sucks. He gets benched in two oh, he was games. Terrible Penguins go in, up in the big middle part of that series. <laughs> yeah, game three, game, and game three, and four. Game four. He gave up like what dozen four goals? goals in the first period in game three, and then six goals in game four. And that that's another thing that makes it so painful is after that game four win, I was like, this series is over. I'm already starting to look ahead to the next round. And then I'm Crosby nervous that game, game five, five could be. Now, yeah, of course that. I don't, yeah. want, I don't think we can blame the loss entirely on Crosby's injury. I know he's... No, there's of, a lot of things that you can blame it on. Because, because it wasn't a scoring problem. It was giving up goals, which was... Yes. Oh, I think when it comes down to it, I would blame the defense, the Penguins' defense, as the number one thing. Uh, you, I don't want to sit here and say, like, a third-string goalie is a problem. Like, Louis Domingue, that goalie allowed at the end of Game 6 to put Where the Rangers it, it, on it top. it caught off his glove and then went over. So Bounced yeah, over. That one, that one was bad, but... That was awful. Outside of that one, for a third-string goalie, having to come in... He was at, fine. He was like, fine, yeah. He yeah, I mean, he wasn't 900 great, save percentage, it's not great, but given who he is and what he was given tasked the situation. With, he held his own out there. Yeah. You know, when your team scores seven goals, it's hard to lose. Uh, it would have been really bad if they lost eight to seven, but they won seven to two. So it's it's whatever. You can look past it. And I just think the defense didn't do the goalie, whoever it was in the series, any favors. Uh, in game seven last night, it was all three of the regular, like regulation goals. I blame him on the defense. I don't blame him on Tristan Jari. Him, another situation, impossible. Hey, your first game in a month, game seven on the road. And, it, uh, wasn't, it wasn't like that goal last year versus the Islanders. Where well, he just, yeah, I mean, last year, yeah, which one? Five, which he just they straight like, up gave I know gave which away. one you're talking about. But, yes, there were like 10 horrible goals he gave up. He didn't have any really bad goals in this one. I mean, the, the first one, it was a two-on-one because of bad play by John Marino. And then the second one, 
Mike Matheson hits off his skate off like a deep shot by Keandre Miller. And then the third one, Marcus Pedersen gets his helmet ripped off. Instead of putting it back on, he decides to skate off the ice. Chris Letang's just like, I don't know what to do here. And uh, Swedish Russell Brand gets an easy look to tie the game. So. <laughs> Swedish Russell Brand and Zabenejad. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people like him, but I, I'm not a huge fan of him. And it sucks because they, they shut him down he the whole awesome series. Game six and seven. Game six and game, game seven. Six, he steps though, up. He I know. He went like four points in that one. And then I think he scored two goals in game seven or had a goal and assist. He had a goal. Yeah. He, he got the tying goal. And yeah, after Kreider scored the first goal off right. of an assist from him. Yeah, no, it's, I yeah, that, that that's another game. thing. Like I yep. I have grown to really not like the New York Rangers. Like I've never been someone who subscribes to the idea that, oh, you beat my team, I'm gonna root against you. That's just never how I've been. I'm going to root for whoever I prefer. Had the Bucks beat the Celtics, I would be rooting for them over the Heat because I like Giannis and the Bucks more than I like the Heat. Same, but I'm I'm totally place. out, totally out on the New York Rangers. I just the idea of that team, that coach, and those fans winning the Stanley Cup just makes me sick. <laughs> I I just don't want to see it happen. I don't know how you feel about the Hurricanes after oh, that series. Yeah, like, I'm not a fan. <laughs> okay, which is fair. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the Hurricanes either. Like when they when I first moved here and they sucked and were kind of getting good, it was whatever. Like they beat the Capitals the first round. I was happily wearing that Hurricane shirt that I showed you in uh PNC Arena rooting on the Hurricanes over the Capitals. But now that the Hurricanes are actually a legitimate team, Really good actual rival to the Penguins. I haven't been a huge fan of them, but I would much rather see them win than the New York Rangers at this point. Uh, just given my feelings following that seven game series, it just I, the oh, I don't want to hear that goal song. I'm not going to watch the series. Definitely okay, well, not watch I don't want to see. But. Skull <laughs> going the all the way to the, the, the Stanley Cup. That's stupid. No, they, they're both ridiculous. Stupid circle thing that they do at the end of games. Yeah. So hey, take your time to talk about the the Bruins loss. And uh, it, this was a different series. A home team won every single game. It wasn't like the Bruins necessarily blew a ton of leads. Every game was a blowout except for Game Seven. But obviously not a not a happy one. Yeah, I, I knew kind of deep down that the even though I I really believe the Bruins have more better top end talent than Carolina top to bottom Carolina they're the better team I'll admit but Max Domi just out of nowhere in game oh seven. I know just out of nowhere just gets two goals and assists in game seven when hasn't really had much playoff success but yeah that was a disappointing way to end the year and kind of like you with the Penguins where you don't really blame the goalie you blame more the defense it's kind of the broken record with me with the Bruins where I thought Swayman was fine I thought he was pretty good in this game now he he wasn't like Tim Thomas or anything but I thought he made some big saves you know even though he gave up three goals he it could have been worse and the goals that he gave up one of them was a really unlucky bounce I think I think it was Domi's first goal the second goal of the game but I I, I really I just thought it was more bad defense than anything and I don't I don't think Again, it's just after after McAvoy and Lindholm, after that first pairing of defense, it's just so bad after those guys where they they literally scratched healthy scratch Matt Grizzlick. That's how bad he was, or he couldn't even though he's making three million a year. He's not even playing and not even because of injury. Well, there were talks about him because of injury, but he was he was awful in this series and so was the rest of the defense and I don't love the situation right now with the Bruins because now it, 
there are a lot of talks, and it's probably true that Patrice Bergeron is done. He's an unrestricted free agent, and yeah, I mean that's that's a huge question mark for them. Is is he going to come back, or is he going to sign with someone else, or just I, straight I up retire? I think he's done. I don't think he's even going to play anywhere else. There are talks about him going in other teams like Montreal, Montreal. Or whatever, but I know because he's but, from Quebec, right? But I don't believe. I believe. I think it's retirement. I, I, which is, which is such a shame because I think, I, look, he's never, he was never, he, he's not Crosby or McDavid or even Jonathan Taves in his prime, but he's still one of the, one of the best centermen in the league. He's in incredible. I mean, yeah, he's great, great two-way centerman, uh, multiple-time Selkie winner. When you talk about the Bruins for the last what decade and a half, their best player. I mean, I, I think consistently this whole time like it's him and Zdeno Chara like those are the two guys you'll always Marshan came along a little later but still only yeah I mean I guess you're right he maybe maybe you should put him above those two but you think Patrice Bergeron and Zdeno Chara when you think of the Boston Bruins of that that era that team that was you know won the Stanley Cup in 2011 and was great throughout that last decade two other cup runs uh which it's just hard looking back at that St. Louis one because because they, they, that was they, it. they were the better team entering that series, and yeah. it sucks how they lost, especially in Game Seven at home. And but even so, even though they made couple other couple cup runs, they they should have won at least one more. And part of it's because of the Bruins have this choking thing in the playoffs. But at the same time, I also blame management big time. I don't think Sweeney and Shrelly before he was fired. I don't think they n- n- now it wasn't all it wasn't like a fail with those guys but i i feel like they've done more made more bad moves than good moves i feel like they haven't done enough to help patrice marchan chara and others to build a stanley cup contending team i can't help but look back on that 2015 draft where they had the 13th 14th and 15th picks and two of the guys really never played in the nhl and the other one was jake debrusque who was good in his rookie year but has kind of been kind of a brat now and is not really that great. And then the next three picks after those three were all all-star caliber players. And just, I, I, I can't help but look back on that draft. And Sweeney, out, Sweeney drafting-wise has sucked. Outside of hitting the lottery on McAvoy, awful, awful drafts. And because of the awful drafts, he's had to trade draft picks to get veteran players like Lindholm and, and Taylor, Taylor Hall. And, and, and I like those moves, but... I don't you know. wish you would. You got to draft. Have more success you got to draft guys, some yeah. good players. You can't just whip uh, on everybody. And yeah, I mean, you're in a, a salary cap league with a hard cap. You need to have guys on low salaries that can contribute. And uh, I mean, that's something the Penguins have dealt with for sure. I guess. Are you in the camp that Don Sweeney needs to be fired? Oh yes, yes. Okay. He needs to be fired. So I feel bad that Bruce Cassidy, their coach, he might be. Mm-hmm. He might get fired. He might not. I don't know. I, I truly believe he is a good coach. I like Bruce Cassidy. He's kind of an old school guy. And when he took over for Claude Julien, I I liked what I was seeing out of the Bruins on the ice. I feel like there was... When was he hired? So was it in twenty nineteen or was it before that? No, it was before twenty nineteen. Yeah. So okay. he was he was on when they made the cup run versus St. Louis, he was he was He was a head them. coach yeah. that year. Okay. He was a coach for few years i think it was 2016 2017 when he oh, took really over. i didn't realize yeah it was that he was, he's ago. been he's been there for a while now it's been like six or six seven years something like that okay and i i like 
I like Bruce Cassidy a lot. I think he was even better than Claude as a coach where he, mm-hmm. I, I think Claude just did not want to trust the younger guys and relied way too much on veterans while Bruce Cassidy's really old school and tells, tells it like it is. And I, I just like him as a coach, but he he can only do so much as a coach when the roster mm-hmm. is just not that great after the obvious elite guys and Bergeron, Martian and Pasternak, the, the perfection line. And then, couple other guys and just it's just so bad I've, so so the drafting has been so brutal and I, I i hate that bergeron did not get more than one cup because i think he deserved to win at least one more yeah i mean i think that's totally fair uh for a guy who's who's been such a staple in the league and you know he he went through a lot with uh the bruins and they, they had a lot of success but like you said you know just kept falling short of the cup ever since that win in 2011 right. so again um, not crosby not mcdavid not uh, taves or kopitar he's better than kopitar but he's but, a but hall he's, of fame but, but caliber a, I, th- player. I think he's i personally would put him in the hall of fame I think it's it's it. fair to say that he should go in. I, yeah. I think playing for an original six team also helps this case a little. Uh, you know, makes and, and also playing that notable. 2013 Cup run that they had, playing with uh, broken ribs and a punctured lung and uh-huh. a couple other horrible injuries that he was playing through. I think shows you the kind of a player he is and how tough he is and how how skilled he is on both ends of the ice. So I guess my next question is, do you think that the Bruins need to do a full-on rebuild at this point? I don't know, because even if they lose Bergeron, they're, they still have enough good players to be a team that is on the that can make the playoffs or barely make or barely miss the playoffs. They're a middling team, even mm-hmm. with Bergeron. or Obviously, they're worse without him, but they're a middling team with or without him. And so... I would. That's that's not a good spot to be in. Uh, I, no, I, I, I obviously am someone that thinks that maybe tanking is, is a good idea, but they have too many good players but, for them to do that. That is tough. That that's the tough part about it because guys like Taylor Hall and Hampus Lindholm, who you just signed a big contract, so you're gonna all of a sudden trade him right away. Brad Marchand's still there. David Pasternak. I mean, he's he's quickly becoming one of the the league's yeah, superstars. Yeah, one of the best goal scorers so. in the league. And then McAvoy, they've already locked up uh, mm-hmm. for a while. So that, that's enough to be a decent team. And then they have a couple of prospects coming up. And not, and not just... Uh, they're they're known as known as uh, prospects that are supposed to be really good. Uh, Fabian mm-hmm. LaSalle, cool name. He, he, yeah. he was drafted 21st overall a couple years ago. He's supposed to be really, really good. And they took a defenseman named Mason Laurie... Uh, in the second round a couple years ago as well. And those two guys are supposed to be known as like elite prospects and not just these crappy ones that they draft and that never do anything. They're being touted as really good uh, up-and-coming prospects. So, so that's promising. So that's I mean, promising, that but yeah. And seems like more of a retooling is needed. I mean, that that's the way I look at it. I think it's crazy to think, I think that it, the yeah, I think it's more totally of retooling rebuild, than, but... than tanking and re- completely rebuilding. Uh, uh-huh. But, I think but part of it. What's really concerning is not only the decor, but now the center position. Because if Bergeron's gone, that's really bad. Because they are already mm-hmm. don't have Krejci, and they're who are their top centermen? Like Eric Halla, like he's decent, but he's not a first line center. And then Charlie Coyle's awful. Five million a year for that <laughs> stiff. He had he was a min- in that game in game seven. So they gave up three goals, right? He was uh. a minus three, <laughs> and he completely whiffed on an open net to get the 
game to a one goal game, which could have made a difference at the end when they got the because uh, they scored with twenty seconds. Twenty seconds left, seconds left just too little, with too uh, late. the empty net, so that could have made a difference. Uh-huh. And he sucks. He's so bad, and I don't, I don't like the direction the Bruins are about to head in right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's totally fair. Uh, you know, part of me feels like a team that can make the playoffs should continue to try to make the playoffs because the NHL playoffs are kind of a crapshoot when it comes down to it. You know, we've seen plenty of teams go on deep runs that, unexpectedly. That's a, but that's a promising need to thing have, about, the, about uh-huh. one good positive thing to look at is that it's not like the NBA where it's just like, if you're not yeah, if that you're a seven or eight team, seed, you yeah. are not going to win. In uh-huh. hockey, it's... Uh, there you are have a lot a of teams. A lot of teams have a chance to win, but you still need to have all the right pieces to go on a run. Right. You know, whether you enter the playoffs as a you know a top seed or a four seed, you know, you have to have that potential in you. And uh, so I, I understand both sides of it. And uh, you know, when you're a very top heavy team with not a lot of depth, then that's going to be a huge issue, uh, especially come playoff time. So the Penguins are a team that have probably even more question marks moving forward because not only do they have, uh, you know, a guy like Patrice Bergeron and Evgeny Malkin, who's uh, an unrestricted free agent. They also have Chris Letang and Brian Russ and Ricard Raquel and who's even Evan Rodriguez. I know, which is unfortunate. And I don't know what to make of him because of that. And the, the Penguins have a ton of unrestricted free agents, but of course the, the two big ones are two out of three of the core, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang. Uh, You know, Malkin and Letang are both free agents. And those three have played together for 16 years. And that's another reason why it was really disappointing for the Penguins to lose like they did because this was billed as the last cup run that these three had together. And And I think it's going to be very... And Gensel, even though he's not not the same age as those guys, he was... He was their best player in the series. Oh, he I was thought, incredible. I he was amazing in that series. Yeah, I mean, he, he had been really bad the previous three years in the playoffs, but he was back to the guy who looked like he'd be one of the greatest playoff performers of all time at the start of his career in this one. Uh, and Gensel's locked up, but Brian Russ is a free agent. He's been a key member of this team. They call him Mr. Elimination because he has like 23 points in 23 elimination games. Wow, and that's impressive. Yeah, no, he's he's awesome, and he he's been on that first line with Sidney um, Crosby. Crosby and Jake Kenzel yeah. all year, and yeah, there's a lot of questions about the Penguins moving forward. What do they do? How many of these guys they're able to bring back? Do they prioritize Latang and Malkin, who have been around for a long time, when they're entering their you know mid to late thirties, over a guy like Brian Russ, who's younger, Ricard Kell, who's younger, who maybe can uh, you know still contribute long term sentimentally that's going to be a factor but Latang's also coming off the best season of his career or at least one of the best seasons he had in a long time statistically and he's going to be due for a pay raise making 7.25 million and he's going to have to um, you know make at least 8 million a year as a I think a 36 year old defenseman it's a lot so, for guys already in mid 30s I don't know if, yeah I, it I is a lot and it's that. I know, and I, I don't know what this team should do. I will say that I think the defense is a problem, and they have a lot of guys making $4 million a year. Marcus Pedersen, Mike Matheson, Brian Dumoulin. Like, these guys are all locked up. John Marino. So it feels like the Penguins' best move would be maybe to kind of dump some of that defenseman salary cap because it's the highest in the league this year, and they were not the best defensive team by any stretch. So 
our, t- our yeah, teams I mean, are in uh, similar, really similar spots. I know. It's <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know what they do. I would love for them to bring back all these free agents and then just have a bunch of like one million dollar players, guys like Danton Heinen and Brian Boyle, who you know Evan Rodriguez, who all overachieved based on their contracts, but. That's easier said than done, and those guys are probably also looking for pay raises. I hated Heinen when he was here. He was. I know so, you talked about it. He was useless, but he was, uh, but he he was, was de- really he was, good for the he's, Penguins. He's decent in Pittsburgh. He's all right. Yeah, playoff Heinen was what uh, some people were calling him. <laughs> but I mean, he scored the game-winning goal in Game Three. Yeah, so in, in, in the, with the Bruins, he was known as the quiet one because he wouldn't do. I remember anything. you saying that he wouldn't uh-huh. do anything out there. Yeah, he was just no, out there for was... skate, and that's it. <laughs> He was awesome this year, so it's it's tough, and I don't know what to expect. I mean, Tristan Jari proved that he is a legitimate goalie this yeah, season. Yeah, I think last year I, was an off year. I think, I think overall In the playoffs specifically. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sad for him that he didn't get to play more and that his only experience was losing an game overtime seven. game in Game <laughs> 7. I know, and it, I would have loved to see. That's a tough spot to be in, even if you're the starter, just – Mm-hmm. first game back after in a month yeah is, is game seven of a deciding game so that's that's a tough tough spot to be thrown in for a rehab start so i uh yeah i mean i i'm i'm not really sure what to expect from this team this offseason it could be very painful could be happy it could make a ton of great moves but then you also have the factor that you have new ownership i don't know what Fenway sports group thinks i don't know who they're going to prioritize are they gonna want to pay i still hate that (laughs) thing that they're that they're part of the penguins uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to want to pay Latang and Malkin the kind of money that they would need to bring them back. Uh, not that they're afraid to spend money. It's just I don't know if they would want to spend that kind of money on guys their age. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions that uh, it's going to take a while to be answered. But my immediate thought is uh, disappointment, sadness, and go Hurricanes because I do not want the Rangers to win. See, this is we had the potential for a Bruins versus Penguins second round series. That could have been so much fun. I know. Now it's like we're on opposite sides because both those teams lost in devastating seven game series, and now it's just which team do we hate more instead of which team do we love more. I'm indifferent uh, when it comes to the Rangers. Like I don't really care um, one way or the other. I just I I don't know. I'm just annoyed by them. Yeah, Uh, I hate the Yankees. They're in New York. I hate the Giants. I hate the Jets. The Rangers and Islanders, kind of like whatever. Um, I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Bruins have way bigger rivals outside of them. That's true. That's, so that is that's part also of it. part of it. Yeah. I mean, the Penguins also have bigger rivals. Like, I didn't think I would dislike the Rangers as much as I have, but just given the way everything played out this series, it's hard not to. And all those cheap shots and stuff. Like, ah, I'm just annoyed by just the not. like Hurricanes. <laughs> like not like just the, <laughs> the, that clap that they do at the, the, end the loudest games. fans in I hockey. I hate that uh, and that Tony D'Angelo guy. He. Oh, no, he sucks. Oh, I, I can't stand that guy. I'm someone that is, I don't care if you're, like, if you're, like, as a person, you're not the greatest. Like, if you got all the talent, like, bring him in. I don't care. Like, Boogie Cousins for the Celtics, bring him in. I don't care. Taylor <laughs> Hall, you've been a loser your whole career. I don't care. Bring him in. That dude, no. That dude, screw that guy. No. He I want sucks nothing every way you can put it. I, yeah. I can't stand that guy. Yeah, and then, just a horrible and then person, fans, horrible hockey player. They, they're every time Martian gets the puck, they're booing him because okay, I know Martian's not the most likable player, <laughs> but they're booing him because he got in a in a shouting match with D'Angelo uh, in Game Three uh, or Game Four. It's like, so you're you support a full blown racist over 
<laughs> it is incredible because I remember when they signed D'Angelo, just seeing so many Hurricanes fans like so upset on Twitter, and, and, and now it and just now feels like it's whatever. He's just part of the team. And yeah. Now they love him because he scores a couple goals, and uh-huh. I don't like. Yeah, that no, I I get it. I yeah, I mean neither of those teams are likable. I will say that I'm most likely going to be rooting for the winner of the Battle of Florida in the Eastern Conference Finals. You <laughs> no, know, it's, I'm not rooting for Tampa. Tampa, that's that's a tough one. We'll Ta- see. I'm I think if it's Carol, I would probably root for Carolina over Tampa. I was rooting for Tampa in a against specific Toronto. series, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, as bad as it is sometimes to be a Bruins and Penguins fans in recent years, at least we've seen our team win a cup or three. At least we've seen our team win a playoff series <laughs> since the NHL lockout. And meanwhile, you have Toronto Maple Leafs just year after year, five straight seasons where they've lost a winner take all game in the first round do you think the sixers are losers look at the maple leafs <laughs> way way the worse. gift that keeps on giving the toronto maple leafs <laughs> 0-10 in in closeout games since 2013 that's is that bad it's not that good is, that is awful <laughs> i know some people want to say they're the dallas cowboys of hockey that is an insult to the dallas cowboys <laughs> yeah, at least the I've, cowboys I've have said, won a couple playoff that, games but that is an at least they've won a championship in the last 60 years or whatever it is now it, it is incredible and like <laughs> I don't hate the Maple Leafs, uh, you know, as much as you do or dislike them as much as you do. I would like to see them win at some point. I mean, they're a fun team. Austin Matthews, he's probably going to win the MVP. He's a great player. They have a lot of talent on that team. It would be nice to see them go on a little run here and there, especially going up against a team that just won back-to-back Stanley Cups. But, you know... (laughs) That's way too much to ask for this team. That They're cursed. I don't know what the curse is. I don't know how it compares to the Bambino or other curses out there, but there's no other way to put it. And I, I don't know when we're ever going to see this team have playoff success because there, they should be so much better than they are I think, this time of year. I think there are teams that just need to stay losers <laughs> because we've, <laughs> we've seen too many losers become winners like... Like the, the Cubs. The, the Cubs, uh, Ovechkin, uh, uh, Sergio Garcia <laughs> winning the Masters after being a loser for most of his career as a golfer. But so we're we're losing too many losers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, gotta have no, some it... teams that can stay losers, like the the Jets or or what are the Maple Leafs in this case. Uh-huh. And I want them to continue to lose so we can see certain teams just stay losers <laughs> i'm really curious what they do this off season because it feels like blowing things up moving some of those guys like mitch marner john tavares would be a little overreactionary i feel like their problems aren't at the top and they're more at the bottom you know but at the same guys. time a lot of money is going towards that those is, guys yes and that is the issue is just the the salary cap exist and you can only have so much yeah, money it's in not so like, many areas it's not like football where the cap is crap it is an yeah. actual hard cap it is it is NHL. a hard cap uh-huh yeah so i don't think it would, you can't move matthews obviously he's the mvp no i mean they but, wouldn't move him mitch marner it, seems the, like the guy who's thrown out the most it probably would be it, it would be either marner or taveras and probably taveras because he's the older one you think and, taveras yeah oh, i guess like, of the sense, three so. i don't think they would move any yeah. any of the three all but, of them, they're all sad that they lost. They they all really care. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you see uh their coach Sheldon Keith his comments like that was the most they said the the Lightning gave us more respect in the handshake line than any of the teams in our previous losses. I so did not see that. that's a win. <laughs> nice nice moral victory. Like the Lightning, are like wow, you guys are a really good team. There's good effort out there. Like you know, have a fun off season. 
Uh, I don't know what other teams have done in the past, but yeah, that, yeah that's what that's what they're holding on to right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad they lost. But with that being said, though, I'm I'm glad Tampa won, but I'm I'm gonna root against them too, like after this series. So yes. I don't I don't like this side of the like, I don't like the Eastern Conference side of it. It's I got we got to root for Carolina, New York, or. Tampa, who's won the last two cups, or the Panthers, who are kind of—I know they're good, but they're kind of a uh, irrelevant for most of our lives. That's okay. Yeah, I have no reason to dislike the Panthers. I'm all in on Florida, and you, you're about to say irrelevant for most of our what lives, most of our lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> this was the first time they won a playoff series since you were one year old, and I was still an infant. <laughs> they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1996 and said, ah, that's enough winning in Florida for the next quarter century. Right. It is incredible. I mean, it, the past few years, they've been pretty good. You know, last year, they were a really good team. They ran into the buzz, saw that was a lightning in the first round, but they finally got that elusive playoff series victory, and it, it did not look good early on. Uh, Washington went up 2-1 to one in the series, and Florida pulled out three straight victories, so I'm glad that the Capitals aren't advancing because that would be the worst (laughs) combination if it was Washington, Tampa, New York, and Carolina. (laughs) Like, I I at least have have nothing against Florida. They've patched a corn quest on them. Like, I I like Alexander Barkov and, uh, you know, Sergei Bravovsky has been... He was someone that... He's a notable name and goal. He was someone that I'm bummed that he re-signed or got an extension with Florida because he's someone that I would have loved to see on the Bruins. Oh, I'm sure a lot of teams would love to have him. That's true, but... But uh-huh. he's a gr- he's a great two way player, like Bergeron, yeah. and so I thought that would have been a good signing for him. But yeah, I don't have anything against Florida, so I guess they'd be one of the choices. But like, yeah, I don't want to see Tampa uh, win. No, they'd, they'd I don't want to see last them win on three my, in a row. Of the four, they'd be last of of who I want to see come out of the East, just because I'm I'm annoyed by them now. Like I okay, yeah. I picked them so many times to win the Cup, and they finally <laughs> broke it through. But like now that they won twice in a row, like all right, like. Let's, let's They're stop. done. Like, yeah, let someone else go. Someone else. It is incredible though. Since since 2019, when they got swept by Columbus, they put out that tweet like, "This isn't what we expected." Like, I know you don't want to hear it from us, or whatever. They are 18 and 0, following a loss in the playoffs. It's like anti-Toronto. <laughs> right yeah, no, it's incredible uh, how they they just can't lose back-to-back games. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I'm I'm definitely pulling for Florida. So not only do we have the Battle of Florida, but we got the Canadian equivalent, the Battle of Alberta, the Calgary Flames against the Edmonton Oilers. Both of them pulled out Game 7 victories. We got a lot of those in the NHL. Last night, Sunday night, Calgary wins in overtime. Johnny Gaudreau, game-winning goal. But that wasn't before Stars goalie Jake Odinger had 64 saves. I was was all-time performance. I was rooting for Dallas. Not, not. I don't have anything against the Flames, but the way he played—not just in that game, but all series, but especially in Game Seven. I that guy deserved better. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I saw a stat that, uh, in terms of goals expected above average, it was the best seven-game series of all time. Yeah, he was was so good in that series, and. Mm The Dallas stinks. I know they made the cup. <laughs> I know they made the cup two years ago, but God, they, yeah. they they can't produce a lot, really much at all offensively outside of a couple of guys. Like, they only out- had twenty eight shots. Calgary had sixty seven, and, 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 and includes in an overtime seven. too. They, they don't yeah. get a lot of shots on goal, and they and then we see in this game where they 
Odinger is getting peppered with shots, and they uh, finally, stopping he finally everything. gives up one. Just yeah, five minutes to go in overtime. It, it's the handshake. It's a line, tough way to lose. Speaking of yep. respect at the handshake line, everyone in the Flames, oh, the Flames yeah. roster, like gave out a big hug to the guy. It's like, yeah, wow, you were great in that in the series, and just Jacob Markstrom had a lot of respect for the uh, the opposing goalie. He was like, your your future looks bright, like all this stuff. Um, and uh, Markstrom is a great goalie in his own right. He had an awesome series too. Like Calgary, you can definitely say, I don't know if deserve to win this series. Both teams, you could make case deserve to win, but the Flames as a team deserve to win. Odinger as a goalie deserved to win. Yeah, and I'll, so I, I was rooting for the goalie. <laughs> I'll admit yeah, the way no, that, that's fair. I, I, yeah, I mean, Calgary was a team I decided to go with heading into the playoffs. So I was rooting for the Flames, especially after you know the the Wild. Uh, you know, another team that I decided to pick, they lost in six games. So I wanted somebody in the West to make me look smart. So I, I was my, glad Calgary did it. I still have my. Hmm? Final four. <laughs> there you online. go. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's great. Um, they're gonna play Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Who, the fact that they went to seven games with an LA Kings team that shouldn't have even been in the playoffs, like, is it's not a great sign. Obviously, them pulling it out is is yeah, better than them losing. They should have won in a shorter series than they. they yeah, they made it seven games is is not great, and they and they only won two to nothing. So it it took a good goaltending performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Edmonton to win that game, yeah, and Connor McDavid took over. Like he, he definitely stepped up in this right. series. And so. Evander Kane was also ridiculous in this game. Now he's not the greatest guy <laughs> off the, uh, off the ice, but on the ice in this series, he he was definitely a factor. Yeah, no, that's okay. So uh, that that should be a fun series. I mean, those are two big rivals in in say in state in province. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that'll be another fun one, and then. Avalanche Blues, you know, coming into the playoffs, I wasn't sure what to think of Colorado. Obviously, they're amazing for 95% of the year, but they struggled a little down the stretch, and then they made quick work of the Predators. It was the, the one the series Predators. that was short. <laughs> yeah, swept them. Wasn't even close, really. Just total domination. I know Nashville was playing without their starting goalie, but Colorado Nashville's just 5 nothing in the first period. Yeah, the, and Colorado was just back. disgusting as a, as a uh-huh. team. Especially McKinnon, yeah. So, do you give St. Louis a chance against them? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I'd pick Colorado for sure, but I think okay. St. Louis was that just because you picked them going into the playoffs. I mean, there's no reason to back away from them. I was like, oh, I'm gonna pick Minnesota over Colorado to be kind of a trendy upset, but I don't I, know no, I, if I, think, I feel I think, good about St. Louis now. No, I think St. Louis. They're obviously not as good as they were a few years ago when they won the cup, uh, especially defensively, but at least. They're still getting a uh, decent production from O'Reilly and Perron and others. Vladimir Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko had that hat trick. He was great in that yeah. game. And then, and then uh, is Jordan Bennington Jordan still Bington, goalie? He, okay. He uh, he didn't start the series, but ah. after a couple of bad games out of I, I forgot the their goalie's name is Huso. Uh, after yeah, whoever yeah, their other know. the other goaltender <laughs> is for St. Louis, uh, he had a couple of bad games in Game Two and Game Three after getting a shutout in Game One, and so. That was the right move to bring in, bring back Bennington, and it was he was a factor, of course, because they won the series after that. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say but so. But with That's that being that. said, I'd, I'd still take Colorado. Yeah, it's it's hard to pick against the Avalanche right now, but we'll see. I mean, they they have lost in the second round the past two years. They've also lost to the Stars, who went on to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and a Golden Knights team who tied them for 
most points right. in the regular season last year. So uh, this is a case where they're very much the favorite. Uh, so we'll see. And uh, I think that's it for the NHL playoffs at this point. Uh, we'll continue to talk about them moving forward, but now that the Penguins and Bruins are out, I think we'll have less emphasis on that and more emphasis on the uh, the Celtics and the NBA. So For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get ready to wrap this up by talking about the NFL schedule release. Finally, after months of knowing who the opponents would be, we know when everybody's going to face each other, and that uh, was released on Thursday night in its entirety. So I guess what are your reactions to the Patriots schedule? Well, looking at the schedule, I'm glad that they only have to play one team in the AFC West, and that team is Las Vegas of, of the four teams. So it's cool that they face each other with now Josh McDaniels as their head coach, and they face them in prime time. Late True, yeah, Sunday Night Football late in the air. Which, so that that'll be just fun to watch, just given that McDaniels was obviously uh, the OC for a long time with New England, and now mm-hmm. he's back as a head coach for a different AFC West team. So I'm glad that they don't have to play. They don't have to play one team, and it's that the Raiders of the three because they don't have to play the Chiefs, Broncos, or <laughs> uh-huh. now I know they've had the Chargers number, but I still think they're going to be really good. So I'm glad they don't have to play those three teams this year. So that's that's positive. Uh, but they do have to play the AFC North, and yeah, which I don't, is I don't not their... that much of a drop off, right? From the AFC exactly. West. I think the AFC West is definitely the best division in football, but AFC North is probably the next best. And so it's not favorable. Now, Pittsburgh, okay, they're they face them in week two, but it's Trubisky. And so yeah, and that, that, his that, first that home game, game. Can go or Kenny Pickett's first home game. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that game can go either way. But the other three teams where they have to face the Bengals on Christmas Eve, that should be a great Christmas present. Uh watching the Bengals <laughs> destroy the Patriots in that game. Uh and then they face Cleveland October sixteenth. And I'm curious if Deshaun Watson will be playing or not playing. Yeah, because um, I think that's the sixth game of the season. That is one, two, so. three, four, five. Correct. Sixth game of the season yeah. for the Patriots. So I'm curious if Deshaun so we'll Watson will be game one. suspension or not. Uh-huh. And then and then the Ravens, they also play after Pittsburgh. This is a home opener, right? I, I don't like the stretch in the beginning of the year for the Patriots where they got to face – they go at Miami, who they – they suck at Miami. They always <laughs> – uh-huh. it doesn't matter – um, if they've had Brady or not, they've always sucked at Miami, and then they face Pittsburgh. Like I said, but it's at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. so obviously I'd feel much better about it if it were at uh, at Gillette. But Patriots haven't had a ton of success. They, they did have that playoff win back in '04 and a couple other wins. But well, the Patriots with Tom Brady have had a lot of success against the. But Steelers. how would I feel about Mac Jones on the road versus Pittsburgh? Even if Pittsburgh's not great. I don't know if I love their that. defense is still very much a threat. Yeah, so, so it could be a low scoring game then, but <laughs> uh, I don't know if I love that. And then the next two games, yeah, are Ravens and then the Packers. Now I know the Packers don't have Devonte anymore, but I would still, I'd, I'd imagine Green Bay would still be favored by a decent amount mm-hmm. of points in that yeah, game. Yeah, at and, Lambeau, and at Lambeau so. too. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the next game is Detroit. <laughs> Detroit is. I don't think they're going to suck this year. Uh, I, I know they're not great, but I don't think they're going to completely suck. I'm not going to go through every yeah. game, but... And then you said Cleveland. Yeah. I think that's on the road, right? Right. Or is, that's, is that, that's, yeah, that's, that's on the road. road. So I'm not going to go through every game, but another thing I noticed, uh, in December, they have four primetime games in a row. 
Thanksgiving they really? faced yeah. So oh, Thanksgiving wow. they faced Minnesota at Minnesota. So technically November, but yeah, that's what, that's what I should have said. Yeah, end of November into <laughs> December, uh, and then beginning of December they face Buffalo, and then and then they face. And Buffalo is also night. a Thursday night. That's Thursday yeah. night, right? And then oh, true. And then Arizona on Monday night, Las Vegas on Sunday night. Exactly. So four primetime games in a row, and I don't know if I love that because they get a mini buy in there Thursday to Monday between weeks thirteen and fourteen. True. It's just, but I it's also just, assume they have to stay out west for Arizona, Las Vegas. They're not going to fly back to New England. It's just odd because I don't know if the Patriots are going to be good this year. And so, what if those games, uh, when we get to that point in the year, what if they're like? four and eight or whatever <laughs> and three of them can't be flexed yeah so and 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 all these teams minnesota they're not the greatest but i, I think Minnesota. they still have kirk cousins at quarterback yeah, they haven't totally i think i would favor minnesota up. buffalo i would definitely take over new england and then arizona they'll get hopkins back by then i mean well week 14 that's around the time when they start to uh fall off but right. you know they're, they're still a scary team and then yeah the raiders as, as well the raiders um, i know they're arguably the worst team in the division but the raiders are better <laughs> more quick than last uh, year and they were a playoff team last year so certainly can't count them out and yeah i'm not i'm not loving it uh, for the Patriots, it's not that it's a hard schedule. It's just that the Patriots kind of suck now. <laughs> <laughs> they did not have the best off season, so I understand not being high on them. Uh, so yeah, the Patriots play five primetime games. Steelers also play five primetime games. I wasn't sure what they would do, but also the NFL is like, well, these are two of our most popular teams. They're gonna get eyes, whether it's people rooting for them or against them. So it makes sense that they're gonna play a lot of primetime games. Steelers, I think, also play a decent amount later in the season because they play the Bengals on Sunday Night Football Week 11, Colts on Monday Night Football in Week 12, and then in Week 16, they play the Raiders Christmas Eve primetime, 50 years and a day anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Uh, But yeah, you talk about the Patriots opening schedule. The Steelers also have a tough one out of the gate. They play Cincinnati on the road Week 1. You know Bengals fans will be ready to go. You know Joe Burrow and that team will have a lot to prove following that Super Bowl loss. Patriots week two, like you mentioned. Also, side note, it's a little strange seeing the Patriots and Steelers schedule for a one o'clock. I know, game. I was just about to say that one o'clock. I, They're always playing either in prime time or like the four twenty five Jim Nance game. Yeah, yeah. Every single year, you you go back. I mean, I I can run through them all if you want. In twenty, so twenty eighteen was last time they, or sorry, twenty nineteen, last time they played opening night Sunday night football. 2018, 2017, they played in Pittsburgh, four twenty five. Twenty sixteen was a four twenty five game. Twenty fifteen, opening night again, Thursday night football. Twenty thirteen, they played four twenty five. Twenty eleven, four twenty five. Twenty ten, Sunday night football. Two thousand eight, even with Matt Castle, still a four twenty five game down the stretch. Uh, which I should also say one of the 425 games was Landry Jones in 2016, 2007, so that undefeated on team, yeah. 425. Yes, uh, 2005, 425, 2004, 425, 2002, home opener. I think it was Monday Night Football. It was defending champs, so it was before they made the Thursday night the, the defending champs game. So that's going back a long way, always playing in primetime. In fact, the last time they played in the middle of the af- or early afternoon was the 2001 AFC championship game, which kicked off at 1230, which is just so crazy for me to think that they used to have like one o'clock, 1230 afternoon games on Saturday. They didn't play in primetime or Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, like that, that blows my mind too. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, 
after that week two game against the Patriots, week three, short week, Thursday night football against Sean Watson, maybe, or Jacoby Brissett, or I guess Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. We'll see how that one plays out. Jets at home week four, kind of like the Lions. Like I, A lot of people are really buying into the Jets following their drafts. I don't know if a bunch of rookies make a difference, but yeah, go, going, you know, if you start off slow, that could, be, that could be a tough one for sure. Going back to the Patriots, looking at their division, so I'm, I would pick Buffalo in both games. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the Dolphins and Jets, I think well, I think they split with the Dolphins because they split with well, they didn't split with them last year. No, they lost both times. Last I feel year. like the home team in between those two teams always it's usually the home team that wins. So I'm, I'm going to say they split the Jets. It usually should be a clean sweep, but the way they their off season has gone, along with how bad the Patriots off season has gone, I could see a split with those two teams. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah, count I mean... out the Jets in one of the the. The home game for the Jets, at least. I don't know if I fully buy into the Jets yet. I think if they trade for a wide receiver, you know, similar to A.J. Brown with the Eagles, then that could maybe put them over the top. I, I still think that they're like a year or two before some of those young guys st- really break out. I mean, but... I would still... I still think the Jets are the worst team in the division. I, I'm just saying that I think... I think they'll be better. I don't think it's a past, lock that so. it's a sweep, is what I'm trying no, to say. No, I, 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 I totally understand that. I don't think it's a lock that the Steelers win that game. And then week five at Buffalo, I know they beat them last year, but that was week one. I think by week five, the Bills will be settled in. Week six, hosting Tampa. Tom Brady has owned the Steelers historically. I don't know if this year is going to be any different. Then week seven at Miami, Sunday night football. Dolphins of Tyreek Hill now. You know, like they're another team that improved a lot this offseason. And then week eight at Philadelphia. Not a huge believer in Jalen Hurts, but the Eagles are still a playoff team last year. I think they'll still be good, and that's, that's the bye. So I think down the stretch, it gets easier for the Steelers, more home games. I mean, their road games at Indy, I don't know. I think that the Colts are going to be better with Matt Ryan than with Carson Wentz. Um, And then at Atlanta, at Carolina, week 15, hoping to go that game. It's a Sunday before Christmas. It's the only reason why I'm kind of doubting it, but I I should be there. Hopefully the Steelers are still good and in playoff contention at that point it's certainly possible that they could be having just as bad of a season as the Panthers and then yeah Raiders prime time at Baltimore Cleveland to close out so even though Steelers don't leave the eastern time zone which I didn't realize Indianapolis wasn't in the central time zone I I, I didn't know they're eastern but they don't leave eastern time zone but they still have a tough schedule uh someone at NFL com said they have the hardest schedule in the league post schedule release coming out so uh, even though, like statistically, I think they're like twelfth based on past team record. Um, there, there's a reason to be a little nervous about it. So we'll see how everything plays out. But um, I'm excited the schedule's here. You know, start looking forward to these games. But another schedule yeah. that I've looked at, of course, is the Bucks mm-hmm. schedule. And they, yeah, unlike last year where they had a really easy schedule, I I think their schedule is brutal to begin the year. So they yeah. The first game of the year, they start with the Cowboys again, but it's on the road, and that's Sunday mm-hmm. night. And then, and then at New at Orleans, New Orleans right? they always suck against New Orleans. Yep. And then, and then they have home games home against, against Green home, Bay yeah, and Kansas City. Got, yeah, two home games, but against yeah Green Bay and Kansas City, two of the better teams in the league. And then, uh-huh. okay, they got the Falcons. That's a that's. Well, a, they play the AFC North and the NFC West this year, so those are you know maybe second and third best divisions in the NFL after the AFC West. So Seattle's taking a step back, but San Francisco, Arizona, AFC and LA North Rams and all NFC made the playoffs West. last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that I would rank it that way. Like two and three. I'd probably say NFC West. 
I t- yeah, I think I would say NFC West is second instead of AFC North, but it's close. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not very high on Seattle this year oh, until they have suck. a quarterback. But, yeah, but the other three teams, I uh, I still think are really good. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, they play all eight of those teams this year, and the Seattle games in Germany, so oh, they have wow. to. Yeah, they got to go way overseas for that one. So yeah, the Bucks schedule is is the opposite of last year. Definitely not a cakewalk. So no, we'll see. I mean, in the NFC in theory is not as great as it has been in years past, but um, you know, with that schedule, it's it's not going to be just kind of a cakewalk to the Super Bowl for for Brady and the Bucks. No. Uh, yeah, their schedule, even even like you said, in a uh, typically weaker, it, typically stronger now. Uh, I would say weaker NFC conference than past years. They, yeah, mm-hmm. they actually do have a tough schedule to start the year. Yeah, and the, the Chiefs are the the bonus AFC team, right? So oh, that's, uh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. So I guess one other comment I have. So you mentioned Patriots playing the Browns Week Six, Steelers playing Week Three. Browns only played two primetime games, home game against the Steelers on Thursday night football, home game against the Bengals on Monday night football, Halloween night. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of people are really high on Cleveland this year, thinking that, oh, this is their year, like they're Super Bowl champions again. Um, but the fact that they only play two primetime games tells me one of two things. Either the NFL doesn't want Jacoby Brissett in primetime, because they're going to spend Deshaun Watson for a long time, or the NFL doesn't want Deshaun Watson in prime time, and they don't want him on the spotlight being the narrative, that, having him be in the conversation. That's I don't I know was, which is more likely for the NFL. That's what I was going to say. It's because I don't think they want Deshaun Watson. Yeah, they don't want time. him. Yeah, they don't want anyone to have focus on him, which, I mean, I I get it, but at the same time, it goes to show I'm, just how uh, questionable it is that you know Cleveland gave him two hundred thirty million dollars to be their quarterback. We kind of talked about this last time, but I'm really curious how long he'll be suspended because mm-hmm. when you see what Trevor Bauer gets, again, not the same exact situation, but he, when he gets two years, like how many games is Watson gonna get? But there's no way the NFL suspends him for like a year. He already missed an entire year last year, but at the same time, there's no he way he was to- also getting paid last year, so. That is somewhat of a difference. True, but, but there's no I mean, way he could have played. There's no way that no way they don't suspend him at all, though. Like I'd imagine that's what I would. Yes, I would think based on precedent, he should get some games. Like a couple, because two there are guys in the past who they weren't they six, weren't acquitted, they weren't imprisoned or anything. They still got suspensions right. because of accusations and off the field stuff like is, that. Ezekiel so, Elliott, not the, again, not the same exact situation, but even he got what six games? Yeah, for his he got six thing? games for yeah. So. No, my my expectation is that he will be suspended to start the year, but there have also been thoughts where it's like, oh, well, they, his legal situation won't be resolved yet, so maybe they'll wait and he'll get to oh, play. I don't know I how it's going to play out. Yeah. I don't know. It seems seems strange. It, it's a weird situation, but you know, the NFL is protecting themselves either way, <laughs> whether it's Watson or Brissett that they uh, they don't want on prime time. So. What's wrong with Jacoby Brissett? Decent backup quarterback. You no, know, I mean, you're right. No, I think that the Browns can be okay if he's their quarterback for a few games. He but... played in prime time versus, uh, versus the Chiefs one time, and I think they won that game. It was the Texans in 2016, Thursday Night Football, right? No, he was with the Colts. With the Patriots? I'm talking about Jacoby Brissett. He was with the Colts. Oh, yeah, you're right, in 2019. Yes, that was Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. But no, I know what you're talking about, though. Thursday night. Yeah, they don't want the, the Browns. They don't want to be like, oh, let's throw the Browns in prime time and like they're they're just like last year and they're not 
not a great football team. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm excited. We got a schedule. Now we just got to wait four months for the games to actually happen. I'm, I'm, I'm praying the Celtics can, uh, make a run for the title because I don't want to be a football fan (laughs) like this early. (laughs) Like I love football, but the way baseball season has gone, especially for the Red Sox, it's, uh, I'm already like zoned in There's on not going, a lot. going to football. There's not a lot to love this summer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just watch a lot of golf. I, I, that really is. I already. I'm glad. I'm already a fan of uh, golf, but part of it's also because it's like the one other thing on too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get the PGA Championship this weekend. Yeah. Do you have any uh, any picks? Um. So I don't want to just pick like Rom. Or JT or Scotty, like th- that's that's too the easy. Three favorites. Yeah, yeah I, I'll I'll pick someone the next tier. I'll go with I'll go with Victor Hovland. Do you know who Victor Hovland is? Yes, okay. yes, he was somewhat of a popular pick for the Masters. Yeah, I I, I like him a lot. I, he's one of those guys like he's in that tier with Morikawa and Scheffler. It's just that he hasn't won the major yet, but he also has a few wins this year. They're not as at exactly prestigious events he won a euro tour event and a couple other random events way earlier in the year like back in uh late 2021 but he has a few wins this year and maybe if he gets a fourth one he'll be he'll join scotty scheffler in having four wins this year and so he's someone that has plenty of upside young elite talent and i think at some point he'll break through so i'll go with victor hovland yeah, I, mean, I think that's reasonable. Um, I already picked Cam Smith to win the Masters, so if he wins a PGA, I count that as a victory for me. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to go with Colin Morikawa. I think he's he's due for uh, a major another, victory. An, uh, due for another. Another. Game. I know he's won. Yeah, yeah. I know he's one. won some in the past. I think he's going to add this one. Um, do you have any dark horses? Dark horses. Uh, let's see. You're pulling up the odds now. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I didn't expect. You, I do have one. I didn't expect you to uh, ask me about a, a sleeper pick, but one guy I love, another young player. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but I I, I really like Joaquin Neiman. I don't know if you know. Who I have heard of him. Yeah, yeah, another young guy on tour who is a great ball striker, just like Morikawa and Hovland and Scheffler, but. His around the green game hasn't always been the best. That's why he's never been in that same tier as those other guys. But that part of his game has really come along. And he even he's had several high finishes years. And he won the Genesis Invitational, which is Tiger's event. And and he and he 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 owned that course for a hard course uh as uh Riviera is. He played extremely well at that course and he's done he's done a good job this year. And I think at some point he can break through and uh, at some point, win or collect a high finish at a major. So I'll go with Joaquin Neiman as a sleeper. So this PGA is being held at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So how about long shot Max Homa? Uh-huh. He just won the Wells Fargo two weeks ago. Goes with his name. I, I mean, I don't know that he's ever going to have a ton of success in majors, but he's... he's uh played decently well on the tour this season so maybe that uh that name will be the the thing that gets him over the top uh winning that first major i will say that uh we will not have a back-to-back champion this year 
Phil Mickelson. Oh, right. <laughs> fall from grace for him. I don't care about that as much as other people. Like I, What he said was bad. I get it. But <laughs> it's not that bad. Like, get over it. It's like, it I is. I don't yeah. know. It just it is crazy that um, I don't look you know, at Greg Phil, Norman starting this like alternative league. I don't look but, at Phil th- that much more negatively than I used to. Like, like it wasn't a yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, look. I Wait. I was never really a big Phil guy, so it doesn't necessarily change my opinion of him either. Here in that, but you know, he's uh his his golf career is is kind of a question mark yeah, that, at this that, point. It's crazy though how. Far. It's a year ago. He was a feel good story, oldest to ever win a major. And now he's kind of hated. And yeah. Yeah. They're in serious talks about joining the Saudi League. And and there are plenty of stories about his gambling history now being brought up. Yeah. And yeah, it's just so yeah, he has some troubled past, but I don't know. I don't care that much about, (laughs) about it as other people do. Well, regardless, he's not going to be playing in this one. So he's uh, he's kind of a story, but he's also a non-story that surprises when the golf me. actually starts. I, I thought I didn't think he'd play the Masters, but I thought he'd play mm-hmm. this event. And so it's yeah, right, especially after winning exactly last year. That too. So, but no Mickelson. Um, we also have the Preakness this week. No Rich Strike. No Triple Crown. <laughs> Did you see the <laughs> overhead shot of the horse? He was like in seventeenth coming in. Oh, the it was incredible! Just, just out of nowhere, everyone. Uh, I thought it was. I, I know that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love how our only Kentucky Derby thought was, "Oh, we're not going to pick anyone to win because there aren't any fun names that are uh, aren't long shots, and the underdog long shots never win." And then, of course, an eighty to one horse wins. There's a, I, I forgot what site it was, but there's a there's a betting site that I'm like a su- subscriber to, and. It gave a. I don't know crap about race horse racing. And I I've never bet mm-hmm. on it, but uh, I remember seeing a read a breakdown of like all these horses, like all all of them in the entire race. Like oh, typically this lane wins this percent of the time, and blah blah blah. All these random fun facts about horse racing and which one you should bet on. And then it got to the last horse, Rich Strike. And he's like, the, the write up said. Don't even bother with this horse. It's like the one <laughs> horse that he didn't put a the person didn't, didn't even put a know it. On. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even know he was racing until the day before. Well, yeah, exactly. He wasn't even out there. supposed to race until yeah. Until it's like, an incredible before. story. I know. I, I mean, they they kind of needed it after the whole Bob Baffert stuff uh, with the Kentucky Derby last year. Well, what if so. that horse was juiced? The, Dude, I mean, the that's way what that, people are saying. The way that final stretch came, <laughs> where he was, yeah, like in 17, coming into the final stretch, uh, and they just zoom past everyone. Like, yeah. who knows if I that know, horse was, is on drugs or not? It was an incredible race. Yeah, I mean, some kind of drugs, whether it's steroids or, <laughs> I don't know, speed. Did but... you see the horse after it won? It was like... Oh, yeah, it was like trying to like bite, bite other off another horse. Like, wow, this, yeah. this horse is still still amped up. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it, he's not running in the Preakness. They're uh, saving him for the Belmont, and all I can say is these horses would never sit a chance in the 70s against Secretariat and Affirmed. It's just it's not the same these days. <laughs> all this load management. Uh, uh, it's like it's uh, like baseball. Yeah, no, basketball. I mean, it, they did... Or basketball, too. Yeah, that, too. Yeah, I know. I, I did go through, like, kind of a history, and uh, technically, two... They're, yeah, two of the last three Kentucky Derby winners didn't run the Preakness, but um, 
they were both like disqualification winners. They weren't like the uh, actual winner of the race because you had the uh, the DQ in 2019, right. and then the the uh, long. You know, I think they just officially disqualified Medina Spirit a few months ago. Yeah, so. I, I, I stand by that. I don't really care about cheating that much, like Spygate or the the Houston Astros trash can trash can thing. I, I don't. I really don't care about that stuff. But when it comes to animals. Just something it's, about the animals yeah. part of it. Is, I can't get over. It's just like, well, right. it's because the animals don't necessarily have a say in them, and they're doing taking... all the work while uh-huh. trainers like Bob Baffert are just in a suit, just watching it happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was never a fan of Baffert, so I was glad that he he finally got got caught like that. But also feel bad for the now late Medina Spirit. So right. But anyway, uh, no new episode next week. I'll be in Las Vegas. You'll be in Guatemala. We will not be bringing our equipment with us, but uh, I think a couple weeks from now, we'll have some kind of uh, conference finals, NBA finals episode, talk a little hockey. You know, we'll have some other stuff for you. So and hopefully Celtics. Uh, can make hopefully it'll be good things to say about the Celtics, more good things, you know, and We'll we'll see. I mean, I don't think hockey will be as bad, but I would prefer to talk about the Panthers in the Eastern Conference Finals than a, a Lightning Rangers. I hope it's not sure. like Lightning Blues. That would suck, personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So until then, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.